beautiful people. This is Princess, and you are listening to my favorite show, Millennial Mustard Seed Podcast. Thank you, and please leave a five-star review. See you on the next one. to the show i have an awesome episode in store for you guys i have la marzulli here for an amazing conversation slash interview la is a wealth of experience this episode right here is more of an in-depth conversation how things have kind of developed over time his testimony he shares dreams and revelations with us here on this episode i don't know if he's ever talked about this before somewhere else I i don't know This is an episode filled with wisdom, with edification, and just genuinely good conversation. Share this episode with your friend, a family member, share it with your pastor. Listen, leave me that five-star rating and review. That helps the show grow. Thank you for everybody who's been supporting, sharing these episodes, leaving the reviews. You guys, we're doing exactly what we set out to do, and that's take this journey together And all the good that can come out of it is what I'm clinging on to. I've learned so much. I know that I've had a couple experiences and moments where I'm just like, wow, the puzzle pieces are clicking together. I couldn't imagine doing this any other way other than capturing the experience, capturing the journey, asking the difficult questions. And it's an honor to have you guys listening and joining in on this wild ride here on the Millennial Muscle Seed Podcast. Let's get into this episode. I'm ready. Are you guys ready? Let's go. Returning here on the Millennial Muscle Seed Podcast, L.A. Marzulli, author, lecturer, filmmaker. He's penned a dozen books at this point, and it's just an honor to be able to talk with you and have you back on the show, L.A. Thank you for being here. Well, Rodney, the pleasure's all mine, the honor's all mine, and Thank you for having me back on. Thank you. Absolutely. Yeah, 2020 was the last time you were back on, and we talked about megalithic structures. Sure. And at that time, you know, I had ordered some on the trail, the Nephilim DVDs. Your work really helped here in southeastern Pennsylvania. So a lot of respect cool. to you. When you say southeastern, tell me where you are. So I don't want to actually say the neighborhood I live in, but okay, I am right. very close to Redding, Pennsylvania. Okay. Uh, grew up outside of Philadelphia, Pennsylvania, in Montgomery County. Yeah, I, I grew up in Lancaster County until I was 18. <laughs> I went to Conestoga High School. <laughs> that's awesome. No kidding. So that's why I asked. That's really cool. The listeners are going to be like, geez, don't take up too much time bringing this up. They're going to remember the first time you were on. I talked about Chuck Missler being yes. the guy that led me to finding you. So mm-hmm. I was going to a small church right outside of Philadelphia. And the, I was asking questions based upon experiences and and ideas. And the pastor gave me some Chuck Misser DVDs. And that launched me into um, falling off my chair repetitively while listening to him for some time. <laughs> oh, yeah. And then I found you. So with all that being said, to have you back on here years later, it's this is amazing, man. I want to ask, I want to start off by asking you, LA, how has your faith grown in these recent years in light of the research and kind of the confirmations we've been seeing happening with very 
peculiar things all around the world at this point? Uh, that's a really interesting question. You know, first of all, I'm, I'm a sinner saved by grace. So that's, that's who I am. And we're all, we're all, all of us who are here and follow the Lord are born against birth. So we all have training wheels on. That's what, that's what we have. We have training wheels. We, you know, sin, we fall short of the glory of God. We need a redeemer. That's where Jesus comes in. And in some ways, I feel like I'm just, just getting started. I mean, really, <laughs> it's just, which I know is absurd because, you know, 72, the glass, the glass isn't half full anymore. Let's face it. I'm getting up there. And I don't know how much time the Lord's going to have me here. But, um, you know, whatever it is, uh, my hand is on the plow. Uh, I am working harder in some ways than I've ever worked before. Uh, we've got a, another video coming out very shortly. Probably it'll go to duplication by the end of next week, close to it anyway, uh, which is incredible. And that'll be number four in the ongoing UFO series that we're doing. Mm -hmm. So um, also working on a new book. My favorite editor, Sonda Allison, she's really great. Uh, we published our first book from a from an author, not myself, Vicki Joy Anderson. It's on sleep paralysis. Rodney, mm -hmm. if you haven't interviewed her, you want to get her on your show. She's amazing. The book is called, here I go down a rabbit trail, but the book is called They Only Come Out at Night, and it's on sleep paralysis. It's very detailed. She's born again, spirit-filled, fantastic uh, on an interview, just absolutely fantastic. And uh, if you send me a, you know, I can send you a link and, and hook you guys up because she's Vicky's amazing, and the book is incredible. And I know many, many people suffer from sleep paralysis and are afraid to even talk about it at church because, you know, it's like, oh, you've got a demon in you or whatever. So, you know, and it's just, I believe that we're in the end of the end days, the last days. I believe things are ramping up. So now's not the time for vacation. Uh, I am going on a 10-day skiing vacation. I will bring the cameras with me. <laughs> either, that, either that or I will record ahead of time. So we'll have all of our shows lined up so you won't miss anything. Um, and, you know, there you go. So um, I love what I do. The Lord has led me here. It's taken years to uh, spend time in the on the anvil and the forge of a living God where he reshapes a human being mentally, physically, in every way possibly, certainly spiritually. And, you know, here we are, all glory to the king. It, it, what amazes me about him is that he gives us utter autonomy, complete autonomy when you think about that. I mean, that's just not so. So he, gets, he doesn't want a bunch of robots running around. What good is that? So, you know, we get to the point and people, you know, people on the other side of the aisle will go, well, you know, he created you with a sin nature. That really sucks, man. So, you know, you have no choice but to love him. No, no, no. I have a choice all day long. I have a choice. I don't have to. <clears throat> I know people that have that have heard the gospel for, you know, 60 years and have never come across the line. They never will in some cases because um, they don't want to bend the knee. <clears throat> they don't want to worship the creator that, that created him. So here we have this incredible God who creates us and then gives us 100% autonomy. Do whatever you want to do. Just, you know. Here I am, you know, knock on the door and I'll come in. I'm knocking, I'm, excuse me, I'm knocking on the door, you know, but you got to let me in type of a thing. And uh, that happened to me 42 years ago, which literally changed my entire life and completely has never been the same since. But he's not only is he loving, I've, I've really been pondering this, you know, 
who are you really? What what are you really? You know, where where do you come from? Well, we don't know that. We can't and, and if we go down that rabbit hole, our little puny three-dimensional brains can't can't comprehend any of that. You know, if if before him was there anything? Oh no, that doesn't work either because he's before everything. So, you know, who is he? What what is he? And of course that's where Jesus comes in because you know, I, I love that, that passage. I think it's in Colossians, you know. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. He is the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. You know, it's just uh, so that he would be preeminent in all things. So he incarnates here. He allows himself to die, to experience that. And then, of course, he goes, this is in the book that I wrote, the last book that I wrote. A counter move, how the Nephilim returned after the flood. But there's a paper by Bollinger, and in that paper, Bollinger, you know, is is looking at that passage where Jesus descends to the lower parts of the earth and proclaims, preaches the spirits who are in prison there. And basically, what he's saying is, no, there's no jailbreak. You're not getting out. It's over. You know, checkmate. It's over. And so when we read that passage in Colossians, you know, he's the beginning, the firstborn of the dead. He was the firstborn of the dead. He's he's the one that tasted death, that went through the whole thing, but then took the keys, went down, showed the the, the prisoners, the fallen angels in those dark dungeons, no jailbreak, not getting out, it's checkmate. That's it, it's over, I won. So the idea that he's the firstborn of the dead is is really is is just incredible. So it, it's hard to wrap my head around it. So let me get this straight. The eternal, all-knowing, you know, all-seeing, all-incredible, all-loving God creates puny man. <laughs> you know, our days are mortal. And then he decides, and it says, and the fullness of God was within him. And he decides to incarnate on this goofy little planet and experience what we all experience because of sin. What? I mean, what? It's just like, if that's not love, I mean, I don't know what is. And then he dies this just horrific, I mean, I wouldn't wish that on anybody, this brutal, horrific death. You know, the Romans were just just jerks. I mean, they really were. You know, that's why cruel and unusual punishment. I mean, are you kidding me? There's no way back. In other words, once, once, once you've been scourged like that, you're, you're half dead anyway. And, you know... All the bomb of Gilead is is not gonna not gonna heal that up, and then he carries the the crossbeam up, falls down, you know he's being scourged all along the way, and then they nail him. So you know once that nail goes in, it's not like you know this isn't I'm not I'm not coming off of here, and he knows that there's no way back. This is it. There's no I mean it's terrifying when you think about it as a as a mortal man to realize that. We're pinning my arms to this wooden crossbeam. They're nailing my feet. There's, I'm never coming out of this. It's designed to kill me, and I'm going to die. And you linger. Uh, many people would linger for, for hours, even days, before they would finally succumb to the crucifixion. That's why they broke the legs, because then you can't, you can't raise yourself up. So this is how barbaric that is. They break the legs? I mean, are you freaking kidding me? So on top of everything else, now I'm sitting here, I'm already writhing in agony, and they break my legs? 
They didn't do that with Jesus because he was already dead, but they did it to the two thieves, which is just, I mean, this is unspeakable cruelty. It's just barbaric, totally barbaric. So he incarnates himself, goes through everything we go, we, we experience, and then comes out the other side. And, you know, now he's a risen Savior seated at the right hand of the Father. So I don't pretend to know any of this. I'm just just blown away. Um, and, you know, we, we, we go to churches on Sunday and, and we worship him. And, you know, I raise my hand. Lord gets, the Lord got me up at one o'clock in the morning. It's between one and three every day. And I recite all the scriptures that I know. And then I raise my hand and worship and I worship him. And then the Holy Spirit shows up and we, we commune. I mean, sometimes it's really, it's, he's, he's, it's like a tingling all over my body. Um, if someone is, is telling me truth, let's say I meet someone and they begin to tell me something and they're starting to quote scripture, my, I will feel that same sensation through my body. The Holy Spirit rises up because it's the word, the word of God. And I sit there, you know, I raise my hands and I worship, but I really don't have a clue as to who he is and what he is. And I mean, imagining him in all of his glory, when, when we see that, how can we not fall on our faces? You know, and that's what the, the 24 elders, I mean, look at the book of Revelation. You know, they're all casting their crowns and falling on their faces. They're doing that because they're overwhelmed. They're, they're just overwhelmed. That first of all, they're a created being. But second of all, they're autonomous. They don't have to be doing this. They could have chosen another fate, but they didn't. And now they're overwhelmed. I think the reason why, why we worship is because we're overcome with, with his love. We're just so overcome with the love of God that there's no nothing else to do but raise our hands. That's why, you know, when the Lord shows up here, you know, at a meeting or whatever, and people just begin to weep, you know, most people are just overcome by the love of the Lord that's manifesting. That's just it's unspeakable. There's no there's no words to describe it. And and peace comes and love comes and it's just like and joy comes. And you sit there and you go, You've got to be kidding me. And we're asked just to taste. That's amazing because it's so important that every generation is reminded of let the redeemed of the Lord tell their story. Mm. You know, we overcome by the blood of the lamb and our testimony, according to Revelation. Yeah. And there's so many things you said there that resonated with me, L.A. And, and that's why I just love hearing you talk, because we're all all of us who confess the Christ and we believe in our hearts and we confess with our lips that the Lamb of God has come, the Messiah has come in the flesh and he has bore our sins and risen up according to the scriptures on the third day. We're in the process and on the journey to ask what you were asking a few minutes back, God, who are you really? And why do you love me the way that you love me? (laughs) The, the, The sanctifying process, right? Like that's so important. He says, I knew you mm. at the end of the age instead of I never knew you, right? There's a relationship that's so important. So uh, your faith growing over the course of your life and then you being able to depict that to, to me and, and to the listeners, that's edifying. That's the purpose of this podcast is to ask questions, to get sharpened, to learn, and to listen to other people's journeys and processes as we evaluate where we are. Work out your salvation with fear and trembling. Mm -hmm. 
I'm having a moment now, like I did when Derek Gilbert was on a few weeks back and at the right place at the right time. God says, do not fear, do not be afraid. And, and I just feel comfort hearing you talk about this process of wanting to know God and, and how he's been working on you in those secret places as the years go on. Mm-hmm. Um, the next question I have for you, man, is to this day, what remains one of the strangest Bible verses for you? <laughs> I know, I know, but I had to ask. Where do you even begin with that one? You know, it's just, um, uh, it, it's, it's, it's just so hard to pin down. I mean, it's just, you know, wherever you, wherever you go, there he is. Um, <laughs> it's, I think the one thing that, that, that I'm, I'm always turning over in my head because see, I, I'm always wondering, okay, you know, behold, I show you a mystery. We shall not all die, but. But some of us will, you know, basically get beamed up in a twinkling of an eye at the last trump, the rapture of the church. And I realize mm-hmm. it's a controversial hot button subject. Oh, we're not going up. People get all ticked off, you know. It's like, okay, believe what you want to believe. I'm not going to argue it. Mm-hmm. But how does that work? I mean, seriously, how does that work? Yeah. You know, what, what button does he push? You know, I mean, how does he translate us from here to there? You know, a, a type of rapture would be Philip's bilocation. I mean, how does that work? So Philip's in one place talking to the Ethiopian, right? Yeah, yeah. Eunuch. And then Puffy's over here. Okay. Now, I've seen that. I've seen someone bilocate. When I was with the guru... Uh, Guru Maharaji, you know, decades ago, this is over 50 years ago now. And um, I was they were with a Mahatma, this holy man from India. And we were walking on the on the sand on the beach. And he first communicated with, with me telepathically. And he goes, hold this telepathically. He couldn't speak any English. And I'm sitting there going like, I heard him in my head. And I'm going, that didn't really happen. He looks at me and he hands me his clothes with a big smile on his face. So the next time it happened, I was, he told me what to do and I did it. He's communicating with me telepathically. Now remember, I'm, this is all occult stuff, lower astral stuff, second heaven stuff. This is the stuff of shamans. This is the stuff we don't deal with. You know, we just don't because it's, uh, there's power there. So he goes in the ocean, gets wet, comes out. We give him a towel. I'm with two other people, I think. And we're walking with him on the beach. Get this. We're walking with him on the beach, okay? He's right next to us. All of a sudden, in a blink of an eye, he's 50, 60 yards down the beach. Just like just like this. There he is, gone. And he turns around, looks at us and smiles and keeps walking. And we all just go, oh, my gosh, what just happened? There you go. There you go. So, you know, the occult people, shamans use this um, technique, but it's a counterfeit of what the Most High God did with Philip. When when Elijah is taken in, in, in the chariot, how does that work? What kind of mechanism is that? Mike Heiser calls it the divine taxi. 
which is, you know, sort of tongue in cheek, but that's exactly what it is. It's the divine taxi, the divine shuttle. It's, you know, the, the, the Uber driver from heaven, whatever, whatever little, you know, silly, silliness you want to put on it. But I mean, there it is, you know, it's heaven's Uber. Um, we, Ronnie, I just think we're in a window of time where uh, time is growing short. It's accelerating in ways that I've never seen. Um, good is called evil. Evil is called good. That's the fulfillment of prophecy and scripture. Truth is thrown to the street. Everything is politicized. Uh, we're in a window of time that, in my opinion, is absolutely unprecedented. And now the whole UFO phenomenon is is being slowly unraveled and revealed, even though recently there's been some pushback, you know, from certain government agencies. But other government agencies are going, yeah, we've got off-world vehicles, you know, in our possession. What? Off-world vehicles? What does that mean? And who's making these off-world vehicles? And what do these denizens who are making these off-world vehicles look like? So that's that's why we're doing four films on the UFO phenomenon, because basically, in my opinion, it is the coming great deception. I mean, there's no doubt about that. It is the coming great deception. Everything will change. And, you know, I'm just one guy. I'm flailing my arms and and, and people still don't listen. And that's fine. It, it doesn't matter. People don't. I'm not angry about it. Let's get that straight. It's none of my concern. I'm free. It's none of my concern whether, whether people want to listen. I've done my job. The blood is not on my hands. I've done my job as a watchman, okay? I've told you what's going on. I've, I've called it out with great specificity, tied it back on the scripture. Here we go. And if people want to listen, fine. If they don't, I don't care anymore. Rodney, I'm, I'm free of all that. The Lord the Lord opens the doors and closes it. If people don't want to listen, I'll just give you an example. I live in the Santa Monica Mountains outside of Los Angeles, okay? I'm about as remote as you can get in the LA area. It's just amazing. You know, there's like 20 million people here, twice the size of the people, all the population of Portugal, all living in Los Angeles, right? Just dreadful, just dreadful. But I'm in an area that there's nobody here. Um, there's, I, I see the stars at night. It's quiet. It's peaceful. I've got mountain lions and bobcats and coyotes and ospreys and eagles and all sorts of wildlife and foxes all around me all the time. And of course, rattlesnakes, which is why we have the place fenced in with a snake fence to keep the little rattlers out because, you know, they, just, they hide and who wants to get my dog got nailed this year? Oh, I'm sorry. There's a hole in the rattlesnake fence. Sure enough, that's where they came in, killed three of them. So, uh, yeah, I mean, now it's November, so they're all, you know, moving off to the dens to hibernate, but there might be a few stragglers, but I digress. So where was I going with this? So I'm in the Santa Monica Mountains. I mean, it, it's, it's incredibly remote. And I went down too many rabbit trails, and I forget I forget the thread. <laughs> Sometimes that happens, like you make a left trunk down this rabbit hole. Let's talk about the snake fence. That's another thing. Well, let's talk about the three rattlers that we killed. I can't get back because I don't remember the thread of what the heck I was, the point I was Listen, hey, but yeah, all yeah. the points are, were oh, yeah. driving towards, like, the direction where all of what is flowing out of us is important. So, like, yeah, we that's why I said in the beginning, there's never enough time because I could sit and listen no. to you talk all day, man. Well, I appreciate that. But but in the LA area, there's 20 million people. There are Here's the point. There are thousands of people, thousands of churches, rather, in the LA area. Thousands of churches. Rodney, I've never been invited to one church in the LA area. Not one. Not one. 
about six years ago, there was a little fellowship. I forget where it was. <clears throat> I knew this guy was a general contractor. And we, you know, he recognized me from some show and he came up and he also pastors on the weekends. So we struck up a conversation. And I spoke at his church. That's it. That's it. In, in five or six years. People call the podcast a ministry. You know, I've had people say, how's the ministry going? And it is. when I started this, I, it was never intended to be a ministry. It's the millennial mustard seed. Like I'm a millennial. I feel small and insignificant. And I've literally been, you know, rejected by just about, uh, I don't know, every, every opportunity possible. I've been thrown into the dirt. So I stayed there. And when God found me, the dirt that I landed in was, was good enough soil um, mm. because he loves... <laughs> He loves in a way that we can't quite wrap our heads around. He doesn't see the outward appearance and he doesn't judge based upon um, our status or knowledge or culture, where we're from, what we know. He looks at the heart and that almost broke me. That LA, mm. that almost broke me. Just not like who, like you were saying 15 minutes ago. Mm. Who is he? He's Christ. He was crucified before the foundations of the earth. And something that's been on my heart recently is as the battle rages and as a million messages and signals are floating around, causing all the confusion and chaos that most of the world is completely engulfed in, I think, I slow down and I just think to myself, if we are in Christ and we agree According to the scriptures, we're speaking from a place of victory. People call this a ministry, LA. Here's the church, man. Two or more are gathered. Now, I wish we were in person so we could like break some bread and like, you know, I could spend some real time with you. But for what this is, I believe if the Apostle Paul was here right now, he'd be doing a podcast. <laughs> he'd be writing letters, <laughs> doing a podcast. He'd probably be hollering out the window at people passing by. He would, he would have utilized anything he had access to. And I look at it as we're living in you know, this chapter of time that's so peculiar. It's unlike any other, any other time. And, and hey, LA, you're peculiar. The Bible says I'm peculiar according to many. Amen. We are called to be a peculiar people. <laughs> Man, <are>. it, <laughs> and you're talking about stuff that, you know, the first portion of this, it reminds me of, um, you know, how we're really super soldiers in Christ. Everybody's all oh, transhumanism, super soldiers. And yes, there's some information to be covered there. I was actually kind of hoping to pick your brain on that. But I was thinking about being a super soldier from the kingdom perspective, seeking the kingdom first, a personal relationship, right? Armor of God, not forgetting to equip ourselves, fasting, secret prayer, worship, making declaration, right? Reading the word and standing up. No fear of the truth, man. You are so intrepid literally have taught me over the years from watching you because I've seen so many cowards in the church that I'm like, well, he's different. And I feel like what he's saying hmm. and acknowledging that in Christ, we are coming from a place of victory already. It's like we won the game and the scores it's over Christ won. And we're walking off the field and the enemy is throwing elbows and tripping people and doing anything he can. And that's how I like and mm -hmm. what's going on right now. But, um, man, I just, this feels like a, a very, um, I'm very involved in this emotionally, this conversation. I'm no longer interviewing. 
<laughs> so it's completely off of my question here and uh, my the topic I thought I'd come into this with, but that's what I love about what the Holy Spirit does and not having, there's no strict guidelines, man. This is a conversation. We're capturing a conversation and I hope it helps people. I really do. I really Amen. do. Amen. If you were given the stage and God told you, man, this is, this is the last time you're going to get to speak to the body of Christ. Mm. What message would you deliver to them? Wow, when, no one's ever asked me that before. That's that's very interesting. I would um, I would I would basically quote Revelation 19 um, and basically say that, uh, <clears throat> behold, I saw heaven standing open, and there before me was a white horse, <clears throat> whose rider is faithful and true. With justice he judges and makes war. His eyes are like flaming fire, and on his heads are many crowns. He has a name written on himself that no one but he, oh boy, here I go, I can't even get through it, that no one but he himself knows. He is dressed in a robe dipped in blood. Hmm. He is called the word of God. The armies of heaven rode with him on white horses dressed in fine linen, white and clean. Out of his mouth comes a sharp sword with which to strike down the nations and he will rule them with a rod of iron. He treads the winepress of the fury of the wrath of God, and on his robe and on his thigh it is written, King of kings, Lord of lords. That is where we are headed. And you want to be in one place and one place only, all of us. We want to be seated on white horses riding with him. I don't think the entire host of heaven is there. I think it's a select group of warriors that mm. he takes with him. I don't know what the requirements are. I've often I was there for three seconds forty two years ago. I was mm -hmm. when I was a, a baby Christian. I had never oh, please read tell me. 19. Yeah, please tell me about this. I've never been never read Revelation nineteen. Uh, didn't know what it said. And um, second, I was getting ready for bed, and uh, I was actually laying down. My head was on the pillow, and all of a sudden, I was translated like Paul in the body. Around it. it was not a vision. I can't stress that enough. It was not a vision. I was there <clears throat> for three seconds. I'm holding, I find myself seated on this white horse. There were no bridle. There, there was no bridle. There was no saddle. I'm holding the horse's mane. Second one. Second two, I look to my left and all the horses are parted. So way below me, not really below, but probably... You know, but but there is the rider on the white horse. Of course, is Jesus. I didn't know that at the time. Then I go from there and I look in front, and and there are um, I'm about eight nine rows back from the front, and in the front are really really big guys. I mean, really big guys. And that was it. I came back and I had no idea where I was, what had just happened. And I told my pastor, he sat there and looked at me the next day with his jaw on the ground. And he goes, have you ever read this? And I go, no. And that's exactly where I was at. The armies of heaven were not in a typical array, like in, like in an army on one plane. First of all, it was a horseshoe shape with a rider on the white horse in the middle of that horseshoe. We were stacked like an elevator, one, two, three, five, ten, twelve. The armies of heaven are stacked like the floors of an apartment building. Up we go. Hmm. So it was this huge throng, 
enveloping the rider on the white horse, and we were riding down. And what people need to understand, what was written will come to pass. What was foretold is unfolding. We are in the last of the last days. And I would I would start off by telling people, Revelation 19 is right around the corner. The rider on the white horse is, is coming, and he will rule with a rod of iron. There's, there's no doubt about that. He will do that. There will be at least 4 billion people left on the planet when he comes back. They have no idea what just took place. Who is this guy? What's going on? What happened to the, you know, to the world leader? Why are the armies of heaven gathered there? Who are these people on white horses? And that's when he dispatches us. We're on white horses that can fly. White horses wow. that can fly. And so he dispatches us once we once he lands on the on the on the Mount of Olives. He do, the battle ends. He lands on the Mount of Olives. The whole deal, and he's got this white horse police force. That's what I've nicknamed it, the white horse police force. And he dispatches us. He communicates with us telepathically, and off we go to our designation. And this fulfills the scripture that you will do greater things than what I do. We've never seen that. People, people quote that, but they don't understand that just maybe that's for the millennial. Just maybe that what he's talking about is for the millennial kingdom. And that's what I think it is. So get this. We're on flying white horses in glorified bodies. We can't sin anymore. And he dispatches us. Let's say he dispatches L.A. Marzulli to, you know, Reading, Pennsylvania. <laughs> Why not? <laughs> so, so I go to Reading, Pennsylvania. and. All these people are clamoring, and the first thing I do, I land with the white horse, and people start gathering around, and I start preaching the gospel, uh, telling them exactly what's going on. And there's someone in the crowd that's sick, a paraplegic, or they're blind, and I start healing people, opening eyes of the blind, make, make the lame walk. You will do greater things than, than I do. But all the time when I'm doing this, I know the source of the power. I know who's doing it. I know where, where I, even though I'm in my resurrected, glorified body, I know where the source is. I'm just completely plugged into the source. And so that's what I think the millennial kingdom is for a thousand years. He does rule them with a rod of iron. There's no crack houses. There's no child trafficking. There's no fentanyl coming in from China. There's no, you know, people... Uh, coming across the southern border with cocaine and, and marijuana. There's none of that. And if they try it, that's where the White Horse Police Force comes in. I'm in a glorified body, so what are you going to do, pal? You know, are you feeling lucky, punk? Where are you? And, and you know, <laughs> with my sense of humor, I'll be doing that in my glorified body. Because Jesus had a sense of humor after he rose from the dead. We're not going, oh. I mean, I'll, I'll be I'll be Mr. Goofalo, and I know that. I'll be imitating, you know, what's his face, Dirty Harry. Are you feeling that? I can't wait to do it. I'll be hysterical, you know. Uh, but but that's, that's what that's we're awesome. doing. That's, that's our hope. That's. You can't fix yeah. this anymore, Rodney. You can't. You can't fix this anymore. Yeah. It's it's beyond fixing. It's so corrupt. It's so over the top. Truth is thrown to the street, and so there's there's one way out of here. Uh, that's the rapture of the church, and then the tribulation begins. The time of the antichrist. I believe the antichrist is here. I believe he's walking amongst us. I believe that he will rise to the top. That he will be embraced as a great world leader. 
Um, and the rest is history. And the nonsense will continue for seven years till the rider comes back. And then that's it. And the, uh, the dragon is, is thrown, you know, and uh, he's uh, down to the bottomless pit he goes. How does that work? And I had another, I had a dream almost, um, almost a year ago now, not quite a year, but about eight months ago, really vivid. And in a dream, it's the millennium and I'm on my white horse and I'm in this really weird area. I'm in this place where nothing grows. Steam is coming out of the ground. It's scorched earth. It's all blackened. My white horse is a good 50, maybe 30, 40 yards away. I don't know. He's, he's there but he's, he's a good distance away from me. And I'm making my, my way through this no man's land where steam's coming out of the rock and it's all blackened and very volcanic looking and it's a no man's land. And in front of me, there's a fissure that's opened up in the earth. And out of the fissure comes this golem-like creature from the Lord of the Rings. And I look at him and I go, I know who you are. That's what I say. And the moment that that comes out of my mouth, I'm hit in my solar plexus with an invisible force and hurled back 20, 30 feet. Okay? But I'm in a glorified body. I get up. I look at him one more time. I get on my white horse. This is the dream I had. I get on my white horse and fly back to Jerusalem. I make my way to the king, Jesus. And I look at Jesus and I go, he's out. That's all I say. He's out. And my Lord looks at me and with a very solemn face and he goes, I know. And that the dream ends. <laughs> he's just like, you can't make this stuff up. I mean, he just, it's just, what a dream, right? And I'm sitting there waking up and going, why me? Why do I have a dream like this? And I'm not setting myself up as the guy, whether that's true or not, but somebody's got to do it. Somebody's going to sound the alarm at some point when he gets out. And I guess why not me? I don't know. I mean, you know, there's certainly many other people. Uh, the Apostle John is certainly way ahead of me on this. Lord, why not? Maybe John's busy doing other things. I don't know. But I mean, I, I, I hold on to it loosely. I'm not trying to make it or puff myself up or anything like that. I'm just telling you the dream I had. But somebody's got to do it. Somebody's got to be, you know, keeping keeping tabs on the situation, as it were. Um, one of the things I joke about at conferences sometimes is that once we're in our glorified body, I am going to start a petition not to let him back out in a thousand years. You know? <laughs> so I, it's, it's only a game with that goofy petition. I know Gabriel. Um, um, okay, I'll see him. You know, it's just like, you know. It's just uh, LA, there's it's, some it's, chatter among the angels. Yeah. <laughs> we really have to let him out. You know, we really have to do this. You know, yes, it has to come to pass, that. right? <laughs> it's just unbelievable. So. I love it. This is it's just so it's so deep and so edifying for me. Like I when I listen to people and I'm like really involved and interested in what they're saying, it's almost like I can just watch like a movie of it unfold in my head. Um, I guess all of that creativity that uh, people said was trouble when I was a kid actually helped keep me concreted mm. in um, my belief in Christ as the days grew on and I got a little bit older. I don't want to share any of my dreams after hearing yours, man. I just know <laughs> I got to shoot a little bit higher than being the doorkeeper in the kingdom. <laughs> uh, doorkeeper, man. Are you kidding me? 
I would love yeah, and be yeah, honored to be a doorkeeper yeah, in the kingdom. I'd be honored to be a doorkeeper. Absolutely. Absolutely. Hmm. I have a couple more questions here. I know you said you wanted to keep it close to 40 minutes. We're there now, but I want to keep you a little bit longer if you can. How about we do one more question and then we break it off? One more question. You got there it. You go. For the listeners out there that are younger and newer to the faith, who there we covered a lot of meat. You covered a lot of meat in this episode. Help encourage us by answering this question for me. If you could write a short letter, paragraph or two, to the younger you at whatever age that was when you started studying the Bible, mm. everything that you know now, what would you say to the younger you? I would I would let them know that that life is very short, it's fleeting, and that the enemy always has a set of um, standards for uh, the younger generation. I was a hippie. I went to Woodstock. I wore bell bottoms. I had a huge afro because my hair is frizzy. You know, I, I smoked <laughs> dope. So now it's all changed. You know, it's like, let's get as many tattoos as we possibly can. Let's just sleep with one another because we really don't need marriage. And I'm just using cocaine or marijuana, or, you know, I'm doing microdoses or whatever it is. So we need to understand that the enemy, the enemy always has a different plan for each generation to lure them in, to keep them from the truth, to keep them from understanding what's around them and what reality really is. There is evil. There is a, a figure. He is the dragon. He has many, many uh, servants that work for his kingdom. The entire planet right now is under his sway. There's no doubt about that. Hollywood will lie to you 24-7. Stop going to movies because they're ridiculous. Watch good documentaries instead. Learn something. Understand that you are surrounded by occult underpinnings everywhere, from the Super Bowl to the ads that you see on TV, that you've been told a lie, probably from the time that you were born, Unless your parents were born again, spirit-filled Christians who really understood the Lord and understood scripture and raised you up in that. And even then, you think Katy Perry's okay. And that that's that's my whole point. And as, as we grow older, just like I'm 72 in December, you know, I, I've been through all that. I, you know, I watched the Beatles on Ed Sullivan. And, you know, I watched, I was involved in the peace movement and the hippie movement. I, all that I had, I had, I, I embraced Eastern mysticism. I was with a guru for three years. My third eye was open. That were that was all. Everything I just mentioned was the trappings for my generation. So you know, I'm just using Katy Perry as an example. She's part of the trappings of your generation. Uh, Miley Cyrus is a perfect example. So Miley, you know, is is Hannah Montana. But then all of a sudden, she just goes completely off the rails, and she becomes this rebellious poor, for lack of a better word. And I don't use that as a disparaging word, but she acts like a whore. Um, and, and that's okay. And how many, you know, thousands or tens of thousands of young girls went with her and thought that that was perfectly acceptable. So we, you need to understand, I have already understood it, but I'll, I'll inclusive, we need to understand that the dragon always sets up uh, a different a different game plan for each generation. He doesn't stick with the same one. He changes it. <clears throat> and so he's always changing, always moving around to lure that generation into um, not only depravity, but into a false religious system, into self-obsession, into um, areas that very difficult to come back from. I'll give you one example. The other day I was... Uh, um, 
riding in my car. I was going down for a run on the beach. And I, I was asking the Lord, you know, it's like, and I was thinking of a, a particular individual. I won't mention his name, but you, if I mentioned it, you would know who it was. And I just said, you know, how do you come back from that, Lord? How, how do you come back from that? And there was no answer. And then <clears throat> later on in the day, as I was driving back to the house, um, a series of circumstances occurred to where I actually was in my car. I, I thought it was my neighbor's car coming at me. So I rolled down my window and, and waved him to stop. And this individual stopped. And he rolled down his window and I went, oh, you've got to be kidding me to myself. Oh, my gosh. And we conversed. And I, I just won't mention the guy's name. But <clears throat> all of a sudden, I realized that until the moment of death, a person can be redeemed. There, there's, you know, no matter what you've done, no matter what we've done, there's always that hope of redemption. And redemption is just literally a breath away, just a breath away. And all we do is ask for forgiveness, his forgiveness. Make me whole, Lord. Cleanse me. Cleanse me. And he does. And that's the miracle of Jesus. Well, L.A., let the listeners know where they can find you. Um, the show has been growing. Tell the people where they can find you. Um, on YouTube, it's L.A. Marzulli. Um, we also have a new a new music channel where I, I do all my solo piano stuff. That's L.A. Marzulli's Music. And there are two different channels. And that's just all solo piano. It's sort of neoclassical. So it's, dare I say, you've actually got to sit and listen to it. But the main YouTube channel, there's five shows every week. Monday is Supernatural Confrontations, where people who've had a supernatural experience come on the record via Zoom. Number two, uh, Tuesday is uh, Armatrail of a Nephilim. That's an update. Wednesday is a UFO update. Number Thursday, number four, Thursday's show is Questions with LA. And today was, you know, uh, where do fallen angels get the technology from, you know, to, you know, to do what they do. And then, of course, Friday we end with another supernatural confrontation. That's all on our YouTube channel. we got 168,000 subscribers and it's growing. Uh, the website is L.A. Marzulli and the streaming site, if you want to just download uh, any of the videos, and I wish you that you would, that's streaming at lamarzulli.net. You guys know the deal. The Bible says, as you see these things happening, all these diversity of things happening yeah. simultaneously to look up for our redemption draws near. You guys have heard it from LA tonight in the background, just in awe at him uh, sharing this process, this journey, some of the idiosyncrasies, the experiences of his long and beautiful transformation and walk with the Lord. Mm. LA, the honor was mine. Thank you. <laughs> Oh, Ronnie, I appreciate it. Anytime you want to do it again, let me know, okay? Yes, sir. Coming to you from southeastern Pennsylvania. That's it. That's the show. Share this with your friends, neighbors. Share this with your pastor. God bless America. Goodbye.